What's going on, everybody? Panama Jackson here. And I want to thank you for checking out What If Tyler Perry Had a Writer's Room podcast here on the Black Tested Podcast Network. I'm letting you know that this episode in particular, we had some technical difficulties, which means that the audio quality might sound different from one part of the combo to the next. It's the combination of two different conversations from two different times, but it's blended together to sound seamless. I want to give a shout out to Dar Mathis and College and A. Lacey for being good sports about the whole thing and bringing a great conversation. So thanks for listening. Thanks for checking us out. Have a black one. This, this podcast, podcast is black. Black. <laughs> This time, cut it in mellow. Welcome to What If Tyler Perry Had a Writer's Room Podcast, hosted by myself, Panama Jackson, here on the Black Tastic Podcast Network. I want to thank you all for listening, everybody who's joining in for this fantastic excursion into highbrow entertainment um, and lowbrow shenanigans at the exact same time. And with that, I want to introduce the two individuals I have joining me for today's podcast episode, which will be on Tyler Perry's movie, I Can Do Bad All By Myself, which I'm going to have to offer a disclaimer on once we start talking about it, because I already did something I didn't plan on doing accidentally. So we're going to start out with Dara Mathis, who is a freelance writer based in the D.C. area. Her work explores how race, gender and motherhood intersect to create a cultural perspective. Her bylines have also appeared in The New York Times, The Atlantic, Bitch Media, Zora Magazine, Romper and my home base, The Root. She spends her free time with a scientist and three tiny humans. Joining. Hey. Hey, what's going on? How are you? I'm good. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to have you here. Uh, joining myself and Dar, we have Kyla Janae Lacey. You may have seen her work and not known it was hers. She's the author of viral poetry, blogs, and stolen Facebook statuses, which is very true. It happens all the time. <laughs> um, with work featured in bylines on Afropunk, George Takai, Occupy Democrats, Lenny Kravitz Instagram timeline, Her Mother's Fridge, The Root, BET, and Huffington Post, she's by far the best writer in her house, <laughs> possibly even her neighborhood. I'm not even going to read the rest of this because your, your bio was ridiculous. It- <laughs> but um, And we will get into that. Hopefully we'll get into more of the shenanigans when we when we talk further. Lenny Kravitz does follow me, though. That's the and that is awesome. Holly Robinson Pete friended me on Facebook, and that was a very cool day. <laughs> so I'd like to welcome you both to this podcast. Glad to have you here. Thank you for joining. How are y'all doing? Are we hanging on there? I'm just trying to uh, stay away from the Rona. Yeah, I'm gonna be honest. That's pretty much it. Stay Rona free. Yeah, that's what that's what we're all trying to do out here. And before we get into the movie that we're gonna be doing, um, I want to talk to you both a little bit about your writer journey. This podcast is was intended to be largely a writer focused podcast, where I brought writers in to talk about. Tyler Perry films and how we could make them better or what we could do with them to either improve them if they need to or little tweaks that we could make to take them from this is this is cool this is dope to a little bit better if if it's even necessary so um if you could both we'll start with you Dar like what's your what's your writer journey how did you get started writing um I've been writing since I was a kid I went to college and majored in the thing that people major in when they don't know what else to do with their life, which Which is is? English. English. Ah. 
So <laughs> Damon is Damon is also Damon was also an English major. Me <laughs> Damon was also. I didn't realize that was See, the, that, that was the fallback. So I don't know what folk. else. To do. Um, but yeah, I, I majored in English, and then I did a whole bunch of copy. I'm actually a copy editor by trade. But um, yeah, okay. And I I hopped into writing. I think after my first kid was born, because I was like, oh crap. A lot of crap just happens to me. Let me write about it. And that's kind of how I got started. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. I don't think I knew you were a copy editor by trade. I am. I had no idea. She's Look one of the copy writers. I, and I know that. I So that's actually why I decided to have you guys be on this episode together. Because I remember seeing a Facebook status where you said that. You were like, ours and you're like your favorite writers. I, I, was like, is. I remember the very first time I, like, I saw her doing poetry. And it is still like still that was like, ten years ago, almost nine, eight, something like that. It was a long time ago, but that yeah. is still probably one of the best poems I've ever heard in my life. And she does not even do poetry anymore. Wait, was this in person? Yeah. This was like yeah. y'all, y'all yeah. met in person. Like, what, what we didn't that? even know each other, and I saw her do this poem called "The Fraternity," which is like the first line of the poem is "Europe ran a rain, uh, Europe ran a train on Africa," and it's like each country oh, wow. would you said you said portugal couldn't get it up or some and pulled out uh something like that but that was just i, I was in italy really i said italy really couldn't get it up but artificial colonization gave him somalia and libya whom the other countries adopted to gang bomb later wow uh, and you remember it okay <laughs> I to pretend like she wasn't a poet but she was that's dope look i i i listened to the uh, first episode of the podcast, which had Basi Ikbi, which is actually one of my favorite writers. And when she said that she was done poeming or poeting, I was like, I'm right there with you. Like, so this is why, <laughs> this is why people who know me as a writer on the internet don't know that I actually used to perform poetry in real life. I got I about a year or two left and then I'm, I'm gone. I got about a year left. So. Awesome. Well, so what's your, what's your writer journey, Kyla? Like, how did you get started in writing? So my first poem was like, uh, like it was copywritten and I was like 10 years old and the teach I don't even remember if it was a prompt, but like this was literally the world, all the confusion, all the neglect, all the hatred and disrespect, all the helplessness and all the lies. And my fifth grade teacher was like, whoa, okay. And um, that was the only time she ever acknowledged anything good. But I don't know. I just would always have something quippy to say. And... I did it like I wrote in college a little bit and then, you know, but I didn't have like an outlet for poetry, like the way that, you know, some of my peers did. I mean, I grew up in the suburbs primarily. And so I was dating this boy and I had started writing poetry again. I was dating this guy named Jamal and he broke his <laughs> leg. We're still friends. It's fine. We're still friends. And he broke his leg and I took care of him. And then he like, he couldn't even walk. And so then when he finally started to walk, like he broke up with me and I wrote wow. a poem to try to get him back, like very love Jones, very terrible. And so um, I did not get him back, but that's okay. Um, and so, and then I like went to the poetry spot. So I perform it and this guy's like, Hey, you know, you're pretty, you know, like come and meet us at our poetry spot. And it just kind of just progressed from there. It was just like this hobby that kind of, got out of control. And I learned to, to, um, I was like also very good at, you know, like, uh, you know, grabbing a, a bitch by the proverbial collar and, and, and making people cry. And so I'm not as bad about that anymore, but 
that was uh, my writing journey. And people were like, we'll pay you to do this. And I was just like, okay. So here we are. Isn't it amazing what you can get paid to do as a writer? Like, doesn't that, it, I mean, it, it flipped me out when I started getting actually paid to write some of the <laughs> stuff that was just things I would say out loud that I put on, on a piece of paper. The thing that's my mind. keeping me afloat is I actually take people's classes for them. And uh, so I've, I've, that's actually like, <laughs> I mean, it's so unethical for being somebody who's against plagiarism, but I, I, I would like to eat as well. So that's, uh, yeah, but people, you know, I don't know. It's very, you know, I seen you say that online and the fact that you're put, you're committing that to uh, permanence in the form of a podcast. What? Means I now I now believe that that's that's true. Oh no! Listen, <laughs> I am extremely honest. That's part of of my polarization. Is my honesty. I'm very honest. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Well, I'm glad to have you guys both here, or you gals both here. You all both here. Let me let me use the proper terminology. Sure. I'm I'm cool with. I'm I'm cool with either. Doesn't matter. Hello. <laughs> Let me get my life together <laughs> and try to be the best version of myself. Um, and let's get into, like, I look forward, I, I think in the course of this movie, talking about this movie and stuff, we'll, we'll be able to talk a little bit more about, I imagine our writer journeys will come up on this because some of the things that I, that I saw in this made me think, like, I would never do such and such. I would never do things like that. And I never went to school for any of this stuff. I never learned how to do any of this stuff. And I was just dumbfounded by some of the things that I saw, but also very much entertained by this movie, which is I Can Do Bad All By Myself, a movie that came out in 2009. I have to, I, uh, September 11th, 2009 at that. So Tyler just came through swinging, um, even with the date. That was two days after my birthday. Oh, a birthday present. There you go. Yay. Hi. <laughs> So let me read the synopsis on this, and then I have to I have to mention why I said earlier on that this is um, I did something I didn't intend to do already out the gate. So the synopsis on IMDb from this is: When Medea catches sixteen-year-old Jennifer and her two younger brothers looting her home, she decides to take matters into her own hands, which is odd because this is not as much of a Medea movie as that synopsis makes it out to be, but. Yeah. I was trying to avoid Medea movies for this because for this podcast, I only wanted to do the movies that that Tyler Perry, maybe he starred in, but he wasn't he wasn't Medea because I feel like Medea is a crutch. Like she's the yeah. comedy crutch in all the movies. Right. Like, yeah, you throw Medea and Joe in something and everybody. And that happens in this yeah. movie. Right. That happens in this movie. And Medea sells. Right. Right. Medea is, you know, love or hate what Tyler Perry does. Medea is funny for all the right and wrong reasons. Mm -hmm. I laugh. It's ridiculous. I'm entertained. I was trying to avoid that because I didn't want to use the movies where Medea was used as a crutch. Luckily, though, Medea is not central to this movie in a way that it would have been like family reunion or something like that. So this still this this still happens to work out. Funny enough, I was looking at Rotten Tomatoes. This is the most highly rated movie in Tyler Perry's universe. On Rotten Tomatoes. Wow. I saw that, and it's such a bizarre factoid because it was his fourth one. And then it, it's like it just either flatlined or went downhill from there. I, I can't tell which, but the fact that this one is, and it's the one that I remember the least of all his movies, to be quite honest. Like, I, I, I know that I've seen this movie before, but I did not remember 
much about it. Same, same thing. When I when I when I rewatched it, I was like, I didn't even remember the kids breaking. I just remember Taraji Henson was in the movie. I didn't remember what I actually thought she was just. A, I thought she was a prostitute. That was my recollection. <laughs> Wait, she wasn't. She, she should have been. That's <laughs> what. So, but I just, I just want to throw this thing. Out. So, it got a sixty percent on for their tomato meter, and it had an audience score of eighty-one percent. So this is the wow. mo- yeah, this is the most highly rated of all of his movies. That doesn't surprise me. So I but, and I went through all the rest of the movies just to see where they kind of landed, and most of the movies are very low. Like I think Temptation, they're in like the teens. This sixty percent is high. Temptation is low. Temptation is very low. Temptation was low. And this audience score, 81%, the, it has like 179,000 user ratings. So people genuinely like this movie, wow. apparently. And I was kind of surprised by that. Not because I think it's a terrible movie, but just I was... It, not, it's not a cinema <laughs> Patrick classic, whatever. It's not. Yeah. yeah so, and yeah. actually, I, I knew the plot of Temptation 15 minutes into the movie. 15 minutes in. I know that's not what we're talking about, but I just wanted that to be known. Fair enough. Listen, that's the whole point of having a podcast. I'm talking to writers. You got to get those rocks off if you need to and point these things out. So let's start. Let's Before we dig into this movie, let's start at the top. What is your, for each of you, your relationship with Tyler Perry movies? Do you watch them? Do you avoid them? Like, where do you sit typically with Tyler Perry's movies? Kyla, I'm going I'm to lab the ball to you first because I, I, might, I might go off. Go on. <laughs> Oh, okay. All right. Well, um, as a general statement, I do not seek Tyler Perry movies. If they are there, I might find them, but I do not seek them. I've seen a few for sure. I've seen Temptation. I actually paid money to see Temptation. And, uh, you know, but that was like before when Netflix was just sending you the DVDs in the mail. But I don't, I don't actively seek his movies. I'm not like, oh, a, a Tyler Perry movie is coming out. Let me, let me see this. I think I saw the one that he was Alex Cross, and I was like, Oof, uh, let's go back to Morgan. <laughs> but as a general statement, I've seen them if they were there to see. Got you, Dar. Um, I am going to. Okay, so Tyler Perry movies, as we know, are very, very different from his plays. And I think I, I was introduced to Tyler Perry's plays much in the same way that a lot of us were with other family members. Somebody bootlegged the VHS, you pop yeah, it in the living right. room, and everybody just laughs their head off because there was nothing like that widely distributed at the time. So when I first encountered Tyler Perry and Medea and his entire universe of characters. I loved it. I genuinely thought it was funny. And so when he came out with Diary of a Mad Black Woman, I was excited to see that. I was kind of rooting for him. And then I saw it and I was like, this is terrible. And I was I was kind of hurt because, you know, you kind of want at least at that point, what was that? 2005. Because this came out 2009. Yeah, 2005. So at that point, it's like, well, yeah, you know, I'm rooting for everybody black. Let's let's go. No. So I think his next two movies were Medea Helm movies. And this is the one, um, the fourth one that did not have one. And so by the time we got to this one, I think this one was about the time that I gave up on Tyler Perry. And ever since then... I have 
not really check for his movies. Like Kyla said, if one is in front of me, I will begrudgingly watch it, but I am not going to pay good money for it. Um, I'm not going to look for it on bootleg. I have other better things to bootleg. Wow. Yeah, that's that's where I'm I'm at. Other I have better things to steal. Wow. Wow, Dara. I mean that's a real statement. I you know, I um I watch his movies for the most part. I never I haven't seen the boo boo movies, boo boo two, whatever. I haven't seen those. The last I have paid to see oh. a Tyler Perry movie in theaters in the past three years. I saw Medea's family funeral and regretted that very quickly. But you know, I'm also I'm I will go see a Tyler. I I'm not going to the movies typically to see them, but I if they're on, I will actively watch the movies. I don't. There are there are there are rewatchable Tyler Perry films to me. So there are movies of his that I've seen several times over. This isn't one of them, but I think that's largely because it doesn't. I don't think this movie comes on like network TV often. Because I literally This is not the baby boy of Tyler Perry. Yeah, movies. like I, I really like like you know, like you said, I didn't like Dara said, like I did not remember the plot of this movie like at all. Like I literally had no recollection of it whatsoever. So when I watched it the other day for the first time in God knows how long, I was like, This is a completely different movie than I remember. I remember bits and pieces of it. Like I remember some of the ridiculous yeah, parts, but yeah. the actual story arc. Like I forgot Brian White was in the movie. You know what I mean? Like I was like, Oh wow, he's oh. I didn't even remember he was in this movie. Does he even remember he was in this? I'm movie? sure. I'm sure he does. He's this is right up his alley. But that's so because he's <laughs> he's actually in several Tyler Perry movies, as it turns out. Like when I go back and watch movies, he's in several. So okay. So overarching thoughts on this movie before we before we drill down, Dar, what did you think of the movie overall? Like, give it out of five. Like, what what would you give it out of five to start with? Mm, I would give it a two and a half out of five. I don't know if that's being generous, but it's a two and a hey, half. Hey, that's your rating. That's your rating. That's fine. Listen, I, <laughs> I'm good. I'm good with it. Kyla, what about you? I'm gonna give it a two. Um, there was a because I can't give it a one because there was a little piece that I fell asleep on, and I don't know how good that cut was. <laughs> so I'm gonna be the, yeah. Going that's, that's actually really funny. So I look forward to figuring out what's happening when what you get there. Um. Yeah, I'm going to hell. I'm going to give this movie a three. Enjoy the ride. I'm, I'm going to okay. give it a three. And I'm, I'm going to give it a three because I don't think it was, like, it had good bones. It's just... Are you giving it a three for a Tyler Perry film or are you giving it a three for a film? <laughs> no, no, I'm giving, I'm, getting, I'm giving it a Tyler Perry Cinematic Universe three. Like, but in okay. terms okay. of, like, oh, okay. if, That's if, different. I was, if I was comparing this to, like, Godfather 2... It wouldn't. It wouldn't be a three, but I do. Uh, but I also largely, mostly watch black movies at this point in my life, anyway. Mm. And there are a lot of mm-hmm. really bad black movies out there, like genuinely. I, I understand. Amazon that. Prime yeah. is yeah, full yeah, of are. really bad black movies that that make Tyler so Perry is movies. Netflix. Yeah, and I I feel a little some kind of way when they recommend those movies to and see, that's all I get recommended. Like, <laughs> Amazon, right. yeah, Since you like, watched Rhythm and Flow, here's uh, Gang Bang and, and Apartment B or whatever. Or three, it was, was, it it was it something was in Apartment 3B. I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, yeah. Twa was actually good, no, though. It was not. Twa was a good black movie. No, it was not. Twa was, was a lot of unintentional comedy. Twa 2 
Trial was a good Kenya, bad movie. Was that when, was it Kenya and yes. Kenya Moore was yes. Okay. Kenya Moore was definitely in 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 the Trial movies, uh, <laughs> or at least in the first one. I don't remember if she is in the in the other ones. So she was in Ambrosia. Okay, I'm sorry. It was too easy. <laughs> but um. <laughs> so okay so yeah i give it a three because um to start out, i'll give it a three because i was entertained in parts i thought the story wasn't terrible the problem for me is when it when it goes bad it goes like bad bad like it just it goes completely off the rails in in standard issue tyler Perry. like for instance i just i'm gonna jump into at, there's the part where they're coming, where Marvin Winans, and this is something we're going to talk about, the, the famous people in this movie, Marvin Winans and Gladys mm. Knight come over to tell her that her mama died. And oh, sorry, they sorry. start talking to Sandino first. They're joking with him. Hey, hey, you got to check for me, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, me just go, you know, all this bizarre. stuff. And then they go sit down and tell her that her mama died. But the way they do it, it's like, you know, whatever her name is. I can't remember. Terrible that I can't remember her name on the top of my head. Like, April? April, yeah, April. April. She died. I was like, it was the. I was just like, <laughs> and then and then they they spiral into the ridiculous way that she died. She died on a bus by herself. And she wait, was driving around for a week. That, then she was in the morgue, but she was in the morgue <laughs> too long, so they cremated her. So here's the remains. It's like that it was so funny. Part, it was just like wow. <laughs> that part irked me so much because I was like, okay. So this grandma, who is known for her reliability, went missing. Don't show up somewhere. And nobody decides to do a wellness check on the house. And nobody decides to contact the county hospitals. But instead, we're just going to, these kids are going to stay with me for however long until she comes back. It wasn't like she was a drunk who was like, you know, stumbling. And also, how do you know somebody has a brain aneurysm, right? Like, were they really doing an autopsy on a Jane Doe? These are the things I think about. Oh, yeah, I'm that's sorry, the other part. But, she, didn't have any, uh, she didn't have any ID on her. So, like, wait, in, in, like in, order, in order, right, in order for her. How do you not have any ID going to work? Yeah. It was like, it was I mean, so yeah, bad. They, like, the way they had to kill her off. She's older in this Atlanta. Okay, I get it. But no, what? none oh, of that was no, possible. No, what old black lady is leaving a house without her pocketbook? Right. And nobody's looking, nobody's genuinely checking out for a report. She just, somebody who, like you said, who is reliable, everybody's like, well, I don't know. She's just going to show back up. Like, it was. Gladys Knight didn't even show up and, and, and knock on the door, but she lived next door to her. Right. Like stuff like that no, is stuff like that is why it couldn't get above a three. And I'm I am being generous with my three. But it couldn't get above okay. yes, it couldn't get are. above that just by virtue of the fact that the ridiculousness of that alone was like, all right. So we're we're starting at four is your possible ceiling. Oh, now we're doing shit like this. The three is the three is our ceiling. And I'll just give you that because well. But you're going for it. Yeah, going for it. and I also root okay. for everybody black, right? So, and okay. even even Sandino, his story. So when you know when they get to the point where they're talking about, um, you know, or or when, when 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 he and when she and him get into the argument after she's drunk at the club and she calls him a child molester out loud, like yells it, "Are you a child molester?" And then he Sandino. and then he has to tell his whole backstory, which we finally get because up to that point he's just a random Latino dude who showed up. At a church from Columbia, who knows how he got there, and then was given a room the day he gets there in some woman's house. But wait, and then see, like, that's, that's where I had to call timeout. That is exactly what, who are you telling somebody 
you don't even know them, gonna stay in a single woman's house in her basement with gonna take him to the house and be like, here, right. this is Sandino. He's gonna stay with you. I'm like, no, the hell he isn't. Like, right. Did she have an And she doesn't even go to church. church? Like, yeah. who does yeah. that? Even, even yeah. that's what got me. I could see if she was like a regular attendee of the church or what have you, but like she was a lounge singer. Like, what the heck? Right. And she wasn't like she was the nicest person in the world. Right. And I also would like to know that I love the consistency in Tyler Perry movies that Dick <laughs> will fix a screw. Well. Somehow well, she didn't did. even get dick. Oh no! It, 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 she it, it, had it, a kiss, it was, and then they got married. It was it was it was that was on the way. Because yes, when he yes. shaved his face, and she's like, "Oh, you fine?" Like I was like, "Oh, got him." You know, <laughs> it was it was. I wanted to know why. I wanted to know why. Hello. What man is like? You know what? I'm gonna shave because this evil. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Hello. Mm-hmm. This evil woman is telling me that I'm too hairy, so now I'm gonna shave. Now the the style I've been rocking for months um, because Taraji told me that she didn't like it. I'm gonna change. Well, it. I mean that's the issue typically when we talk about Tyler Perry films, right? Like there's really no nuance. There's no nothing. You know, in most movies or most books, everything that happens there's a there's a reason for it somewhere that you can pinpoint. That's not yeah. always the case in his joints. It just stuff just happens like. I'm gonna move you into this basement. I'm gonna give you a razor to shave. I mean, what he maybe he don't want to shave. Maybe he's good, but she's gonna give him a razor and he's gonna shave and then she's gonna find out that he's fine because she had they had to get to the point where he shows up and she's attracted to him. Right? That's what I'm assuming. Yeah, That's what I'm absolutely. assuming happened. Yeah. So yeah, and then like I said, when they're at the club and he's breaking down how he was. You know, sold by a Mexican car, sold by a cartel, a Colombian cartel. What? After picking, okay, I must have missed oh that yeah, because remember they walk out the club and she's like, "Are you a child molester?" After you know, after he shows up at the at the bar where she's about to sing or she's singing, mm-hmm, I and then they get into an argument at the bar because she accuses him of being a child molester because she's hurt, and then he tells his life story, which is that he was, you know, he's been poor since he was little. He was picking cocoa leaves for ten to twelve hours a day. And then he got sold to a cartel and then he never had anything. So when he tries to care about these kids, he just wants to take care of the kids. You know, he's a, he's a really good guy who's been through a lot. It's extra random. Like, but he is extra, extra random. And then the power dynamic here is completely skewed because who, I mean, the way that he talks to her, like, like from day one, the way that he talks to her, about her boyfriend or being a side piece to a married man. Like who talks to their landlord like that? Who? Who is gonna come to their landlord and be like, oh, who's gonna who's gonna step to their landlord and be like, you you're sleeping with a married man? Like, man, get out of my house. Like, what are you it it was completely asinine. Sure. So this brings up a good point though. This brings up an interesting question because on the on the episode that I did with Bossy Ikpi about um, a fall from grace, I made mention of the table read that they have to do mm-hmm. before these movies come out, right? And she was like, "I don't even think they do table read, Joe. I feel like people just show up and it's like, let's shoot this movie because mm-hmm. table reads take time, right? Yeah. I mean, and because for me, it's like if you're reading, if you're at the table read reading this, at what point are you like, what 
is happening in this movie. Like everybody who's already signed on, they've already agreed to do it. But at what point are you just like, what the fuck? What can somebody please? I'm sorry, I gotta ask. Uh, Tyler TP, can I call you TP? <laughs> How is it that the kids? Nobody has seen this woman for days, and nobody finds out till late. Like the kids, they just roam in the streets. They don't go home. They don't try to get in their house. Like. Nobody hears them beating on the door. I can like how like, how does much, this happen? Right. And as much as as much as Grandma Rose went to church, as much as the people at the church know them, kids, the church wasn't the first place that they thought to go. Right. The first thing they think is to break into a house in the neighborhood. Now the question is, is this ain't even their neighborhood because Medea don't know who they are. No. Medea don't know their mama, Mm-mm. so they just roam in neighbor Atlanta neighborhoods looking for houses to break in, and they just happen into the the wrong house. And if they know Atlanta as well as I think they do, that's a bad idea. Snow in the blood. So it's it, it just free ginger. So I just wonder, like, how does that how does that work? Like, when when you're reading this, does nobody say, you know, I just this doesn't really make sense. But the problem is, but in order to fix it, you got to go through the rewrites. There have to be uh, rewrites, right? Oh, and no. nobody's rewriting anything at this point. At the point that you're at the table, read. That's it. So I kind of wonder, is this version of the script the one that they read when they signed on to be in the film? Or did they sign on to be in the film and they got a script later? Like, was Tyler like, yo, so, got this movie I'm doing. It, you'll be perfect for it. They're like, yeah, of course, Tyler. We love you, dude. Like, you be dropping off $21,000 tips at Houston's. You my man. I do it for the culture. I'm in. But and she- it's just like, I wonder how that happens. But you know, here's another thing. Like you mentioned earlier, this was a play originally. And so I don't know how long he had been sitting on this screenplay because it's slightly like I looked, I looked it up and it slightly differs from the play, but only in that he made it uh, worse, uh, have more drama. (laughs) But Hmm, so that's interesting because I didn't, I didn't see the play. I didn't, I never, I, um, uh, despite the fact that my parents own several bootleg DVDs of Tyler Perry film uh, plays, I have never, I never actually watched any of them. Really? Yeah, I, I never actually watched any of them. I've watched wow. them. Oh, and you I'm, have to I'm, watch the plays. And I'm very glad. Yeah, my cousin used to sell them. So anytime we'd have like Thanksgiving family functions, one of my cousins would come through selling DVDs to everybody in the family. That's so delightfully black. I love that. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Yeah, that, that, that was his hustle. He came through. Yeah, I got them Tyler Perry plays, and every and he would sell out. Everybody would buy. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me get, let me get yeah, them. Let me get those into your own people. That's what that was. Yeah, my like, parents went to go see them live. Like they went to go see Tyler Perry plays, um, in Birmingham. My mom, Alabama. So they live. In, yeah, they live in Alabama, Huntsville, and they went down to Birmingham to go to go see at least one of his plays that I remember. Listen, he's a, he's a phenomenon. But I do. It's just like I wonder. Like when you read, I, I just, I guess I just wonder, maybe this is me looking at this from a, you know, talented 10th bougie black lens, so to speak. <laughs> when you see this script and you read it, is there any point where it's like, man, this actually is bad, but you know what? It's right. I, either I want to make a movie or, Hey, this is, I do like, I guess, I guess I kind of wonder in the mind space of the people involved in these films is the theme more important than the movie itself or is it like i know i'm going to be in a tyler perry movie i know it's lots of people to see it at least people are going to see this movie like this ain't going to be a career maker for me but you know at least black people are going to see me on 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 camera 
or in theaters. And I think about this like too, right? Is 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 Tyler Perry the type of personality that would invite that suggestion, right? Like because as we know, he fired his whole writing room. So is he the type of person that doesn't allow his genius to be checked for accuracy? Is he the type of person who doesn't say you know what, there can be an improvement made. I mean, shit, somebody, you can't edit my work. You know, that's how I'm about my work. So I, I, you know, I get it, but I also write stuff that makes sense. So, um, well, he doesn't care. I know he doesn't care. Like there's a new TV show coming out about Kenya bears called black as fuck, like black AF. And I've seen the first five episodes of that already. And Tyler Perry is in one of the episodes and he's talking about, you know, people caring about his work. And he says blatantly, I don't give a fuck about what people think about what I do. Like, I'm super serving my niche audience. That's fine. I appreciate that. Panama Panama made a good point. I was going to say, Panama made a good point, though. Um, you said that is the is the message more important than the movie, and I think that is what most people miss. Well, I don't even I don't even know if most people miss. So what? Okay, but what like is- no, 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 no. Let me finish. Let me finish. Because having seen a disgusting amount of Christian oriented films, not including Tyre Perry, I mean the ones produced by white people that have Kirk Cameron and like all of them talking about fireproof, talking about left behind, um, anything with an apocalypse. War room. Yeah. War room. Crap like that. Message absolutely trumps art in that sense. And in that, in that sphere, the message is the art because they are trying to counterbalance uh, what they see as evil Hollywood, sinful messaging, blah, blah, blah. And so the message is the point. The art is not the point. The message, the, the medium is the vehicle and the that message is the point. Slam. That sounds like a poetry slam. <laughs> it absolutely um, is. No, okay. Well, yeah, I mean, it is though. I mean, since you say that, that's true. I mean, it does tend to be, listen, as long as people yeah, like where you're going with something. Yeah, I mean, as long as people like where you're going with something, how you get there isn't as important as long as, People agree in on the overarching theme, like niggas is trash. Yes, Boom. I mean, it, yes. it, you know, like okay. it's, it's the so what are you saying in this film, right? Because like we can look even look at you know back at the temptation. Like what are you saying in the temptation? Like don't be a, a cheating whore. Yes, that's yeah. it. So, right. So that so that that's where that's where the problem is. There, I don't think that. So if you drill down to Temptation, right? And Temptation is not a well-rated movie of his at all by anybody. Like, it wasn't a movie that did well amongst his fan base. The Medea films probably do the best amongst his fan base in general. This movie probably did well because this is a redemption story of a woman who was going some changed her life around. She found, like, she was down on her luck of her own making, but, you know, oh, she went to the Lord and, you know, she went to the Lord and she found love and, you know, it, there's redemption there. And that's a strong message yeah. in uh, yeah. in certain that's the point. Yeah, so that that makes sense housewife. to me. So that, that works. Which a hoe turned into a housewife. Like her hoe facts were wiped clean. That's really what that is. She found Yeah, it was the yeah, it was the story of a woman who just, you know, got her she figured out and turned her life around. Oh who can't get behind that? And, we, and I we, think go ahead. No, I was gonna say we failed to mention how he got there. Like we failed to mention the the broken steps to this woman who didn't really go to church at all, 
and then all of a sudden this carpenter jesus the carpenter um, right just shows up at her doorstep and all of a sudden you know he moves in her basement like well i think she did go to she used to go to church but I think so. If you remember, like you know, so when little girl, when the little, because they knew her in the church, everybody knew her. And then I don't, I don't know if it's just because of her grandma, but they all knew who she was. Like they knew, they knew he knew where to send, where he knew where to send, um, denim Jesus. He knew where to send him. Like, hey man, we got April over here. You know, maybe we can get some working. But also, she, it's not, it's a redemption story, and I we left this part out that has a reason for her for her departure from from God, mm-hmm. right? Because her mama let. The ex-boyfriend or whatever raped her as a child, and her God, mama let it happen. And she so she bad. let it happen. You know what I'm saying? And and it ruined her. It hurt her. So she has bad relationships with men. She doesn't trust anybody. She only cares about herself. She's selfish because nobody else cared about her, right? Mm-hmm. So you know they. I mean, it's message wise, you ain't gonna get no better message in a in a a Christian adjacent film. That's specifically Christian centric. But light skin dick can fix it. And honestly, well, that's how Tyler Perry movies work, though. You said what? Well, that's how Tyler Perry movies work. That's what I'm saying. That's that's the way in the light right there. That's the light in the way. You do some light skin dick, and you'll never never have bad credit. So I'm, yeah. Mm -mm. Wait, so okay, so what what was we talked about some good things before we move into like trying to actually if there's anything to change or whatever. What are some things that you thought were just bad about this movie? Like just absolutely bad. Everything. I did no. not like uh like I like I mentioned earlier, Tyler has an inability to allow his characters to pick a struggle. So of course April is a side piece. She's an alcoholic. She's a nightclub singer, which in Christian lore is AKA the devil. She's a woman who does not want kids, which is even worse. And she's estranged from her family and does not want to take care of children, which is even worser. So. <laughs> so she's far, she, she's yeah, far off the reservation. Childless woman. She's a childless woman too, right? Like, because yeah. the children are part of her redemption story because I mean, we can look at the, like the subconsciousness of like, women over a certain age who don't have kids like what's wrong with you like i mean that's a real thing why don't you want kids right right and it's like something's wrong with you if you don't want children so clearly you know the kids are part of her being fixed and i thought you know that was interesting as well i mean and then it's kind of like you know i need you guys to be here like um i need you to be in order before you try to take care of some kids. But I mean, I guess they don't have anybody better. So since grandma had a aneurysm on the bus. And I think, you know, for me, some of the bad stuff was, I mean, I'm, it's, it's cliche to say just the acting was bad, but I think some of that is the script, right? Like you, you only can do as well as like, I thought Taraji did a pretty good job considering what she had to work with. Yeah. Her, like, her, her one-liners were good. The way, like, she was awesome when she was drunk after she pushed him out the club and walked back in. She's like, what the hell? You know, the way I was like, man, she's good at this. Like, you know, she she was good for somebody whose role was to yell a lot. Okay. Like, just yell and be annoyed by everything except what except your man. The stereotypical so, angry black woman yeah. is what she played. Yeah, so she she pulled she pulled that off. I 
I mean, again, we get the script is thin. I mean, just the the, 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 the the bad stuff is the bad the bad stuff for me is like how he doesn't writing this. It's he can't figure out how to nuance any of it. So, for instance, Sandino's story is just as bad as the way that her mama died. <laughs> mm-hmm. Santino Sandino's story is he's basically sold by cartels and was picking picking cocoa leaves for ten to twelve hours yeah, a day, seven like. He was destroyed as a human being before. Why are you making you know, me laugh at this? Because <laughs> it's true, though. Like, he was destroyed as a human before the pastor of this church goes down to Columbia to do some mission work. And then Sandino remembers him that he's in Atlanta and somehow, despite his poverty, manages to get from Columbia to Atlanta, Georgia, and find this church specifically. So that he can find a place to live. Right. And instead of a, a, a area populated by Hispanic culture, he decides to come to the blackest place he could find. He had a really good experience with this church when they were they were missionizing him down there. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yes. That missionary gets you every time. Black people were doing the bidding of white people. Yes. Love it. Love it. So that, know, that, I, like stuff like that, like no. that, that's what gets me. I I had a hard time with the dialogue, too. And I think that the thinness of the script made it feel like everybody was doing an extra amount of glowering. Like, especially Brian White, but that's his role in, like, everything he does. Wait, 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 glowering. Use these big words, my friend. Glowering? Basically, Omari Hardwick in power. Like, every scene that Omari Hardwick... Every scene Omari Hardwick plays in power, that face, except for everybody else in uh, I Can Do Better by Myself, especially Brian White. And especially- Brian White had that look. That's his, that's his, that's his look. I'm yes, yes, that's, that's his face. Like, that's just his face. But Jennifer, Jennifer had a lot of, I'm just going to sit here and look mad. And, you- and so much of her dialogue was just banter. Like, oh, well, you ain't going to tell me what to do. I'm like, oh, my gosh, stop, stop. Like, I felt like that was my kid, and I just wanted to slap any of them. Because fighting on dialogue doesn't read well when it's just like, shut up. Glower. Speaking speaking of that, oh, my goodness. So I have this thing. I remember hearing about something called, like, Chekhov's gun, where it was, like, the writing principle where you use something. If you mention it in the story somewhere, you must use it somewhere else. Like, don't just throw things into a story unnecessarily. Mm-hmm. Unless you plan on using them, right? So it was some principle. Like, if if you have uh, if you have somebody hang a pistol on a wall in chapter one, it has to have closure somewhere else. Like, if use it again in chapter nine, like just just don't have it happen anyway. Hmm. I was so disappointed by Byron, the kid who doesn't speak, and then when he does speak, it's. A bed, my bed. And then it's such an anticlimactic moment because does he not talk at all? Like, are these his first words? Like, Sandino was like, oh, I've never heard him speak before. But nobody else is surprised by this. Like, does he just not talk? Like, like he's silent everywhere he goes. And all of a sudden, he's he says, my bed. And I was like, wait, is this like a moment? Like, should we all be hugging each other at this point? Or is just, he just ain't been speaking for the movie. Like, what what is... What is his story? Like, what is... And I, I felt like that was so ridiculously anticlimactic considering a kid doesn't speak at all and then he speaks and nobody cares. Except for the dude that built him the bed who was like, hey, I ain't heard him speak before. This is cool. Yeah. That's like Jon Snow being a Tigurian on uh, Game of Thrones. <laughs> it was like, 
audience, I need you guys to be smart this time. Now, I needed you guys to be dumb the whole film. But right now, I need you to be smart so I don't have to say out loud that he talked. I need everybody just to kind of like get it without anybody saying it. Which is a wasted opportunity if you think about it. Because the white, the, the Latino savior built him a bed and he got him to speak. That could have been a moment to get tears out of the audience. Hey, Zeus, the carpenter Listen, hey, Zeus. I mean, Saldino, the carpenter performed a miracle and got the guy to talk in tongues. Oh, now you're talking. Now see? you're preaching. You see what I'm saying? You see? Hotep cap. Hotep cap on. I'm ready. It was, there was tears available at that moment yeah. if it was done right because... Again, we all think Byron just doesn't speak. And so and this this is the other part about extremes with Tyler Perry stuff. Like every person is an extreme version of something, right? Every main character. So, you know, Jennifer is the is the girl who thinks she ain't worth nothing. Her brother, one of the brother has diabetes, so he needs insulin. So the girl gotta steal the insulin. The other one doesn't talk. You know, Brian White is just a villain. Taraji is the overly ridiculous, the angry black woman. Sandino was the heavenly jesus-like savior to come in and save the day and show her which gets to i'm gonna go right into this this is where i was going with it the end where you know they're in the um they're in the room and in the kitchen and he says i love you and then she's like i don't know how to love can you teach me how to love i almost threw something through the tv (laughs) like wow we're going that she is that broken where i don't know how to love can you teach me how to love like it's man like that. It's it's one of those things where and notice- Tyler Perry working out his his woman hatred issue yeah. in that thing. Like I don't know him personally. I don't know how he feels. All I have is his art. His art speaks volumes. And that kind of stuff, oh my god, was so infuriating. But do you notice how she couldn't say "I love you" to Brian White's character? Like he says, "You know, I love you," right? And she has like some quippy thing to say. But also, I would like to ask, oh, where I'm mad at that though. Yeah, where were they? But I'm saying it harkens back to her not knowing how to love. Like it's you know like a callback. Like oh, that's right. You know she couldn't tell the the man she was having sex with that she loved him. I think what's also interesting too is like insulin is not easy to get. So like we're in and and how did Santino just randomly get some insulin? Yes, this man went to the store and got a prescription. Like oh, I just I'll just pick some way up up from Publix. Like what? Come on, man. He turned the water into insulin. He's dangerous. Uh, yeah, I thought that was, I thought, I thought that was interesting. You know, another thing, my man, Tyler Perry, because he did this in, in Diary of Mad Black Woman too, with the bathtub scene, right? Like oh. where she was basically going to take him out in the bathtub yeah. scene. And then in this movie, you know, she tells him, why don't you just go ahead and get in the bath after he's, after he goes after her niece mm-hmm. and Tells him to go upstairs and get a bed. And this dummy does it. And <laughs> then she shows... Because at that moment, like, you've accused me of rape. I'm not even staying there. But, hey, you know, that's... We got to get from... We got to get from him being a rapist to we need to kill him in the bathtub. So, you know, like, even even getting there, I'm like, wow, she, she, she about to commit murder right now? Like, this... He has a thing with bathtub scenes is my point there. Because mm-hmm. I remember that in Dr. Mad Black Woman. He was like... And that, that whole throw of... I feel like that was like an old hood tale. Like, you, know, you want to get them? Yeah. Throw a radio in the bathtub with them. <laughs> yeah, I've heard that before. <laughs> I think so. Again, that's another thing. Again, the message. It's not about how we get there. It's the message. Don't be a cheating whore husband that takes baths a lot. That's the message. 
Thank you, Tyler. I appreciate it. Listen, those little nuggets are, are, are worth everything. They're important. So, all right. So if you had to pick something that's the most valuable player of this film, what would that be? Mm. Like, what's the what's the absolute best part of this for each of you? If there's a best part of it for you. Ooh. For me, it's Taraji. I just got I just got to give it to Taraji. She's and her she's the best part of it. Because she's supposed to be the best part of it. So she ends up being the actual best part of it. Like, she's the reason She's the reason we're paying attention to this movie. She's the one that's on the movie poster. She's the reason we're going to see it. Though, I'm going to have to give a runner-up to Marvin Winans singing with all of his soul and sweating out everybody's perm mm-hmm. in that one scene in the church. Because they they couldn't do no more takes of that. They was like, that's you get one. Because it is hot. I had Taraji as my MVP, too, because she did the most with the least. Mm. Fair enough. I'm going to say Taraji's wig. I think it was, it had layers. Um, It, it, you know, you could see definitely a movement from one end to the next. Um, It shined throughout the film. Um, It was very brilliant. You know, it, it really was natural. It played its part. I'm honestly, kudos, kudos to the wig. That's, that's all I got. I hear you wanting to call it ebullient, but you didn't want to say it. <laughs> it was, honestly, it was, it was hands down, it was the most moving part of the film for me. It See, really, now I, I really want to know if she paid for that wig herself. She had to, because, I mean, I actually watched an interview with her recently, uh, right before I watched the film, talking about how you know, she, was it her or somebody else but coming on set and having to basically just do your own hair because mm-hmm. those options weren't really available. And so maybe it was a thing where she, she brought in her fun. person. Yeah. Like, you're not finna out, have me out here looking like the rest of the Tyler Perry wigs. Uh, see, that's a shame that they have to do that on a black movie set. <laughs> that should be the one place that your wig should be safe. I think, but, and maybe right. because... Tyler Perry, I mean, Medea wears a bad wig, so that's, you know, part of, I don't know, maybe he's I just. I like Medea's wig. But I mean, it's, you know, I think. Well, Medea's wig's bad on purpose, though. Like, she's yeah. supposed to be kind yeah. of a hot mess. She's wearing, she's she's a 6'4". Linebacker. 300-pound black woman rocking a muumuu and glasses. And like, you know, right, that, that is that is the gag. Like, that's the, she's the gag. Right, and I'm but, saying maybe he never thought past a bad wig. Yeah. So I also got to call Medea a high point in this movie because she had the most entertaining parts of the movie. Like her and Joe, they're funny. Like whether you hate these movies or not, like Medea and Joe are funny. They're funny in the like when Joe was threatened to beat the little boy. Ooh, I was going to come across. It, he his he's funny. His violence is funny, which is a shame to say it that way. But he's a violently funny man because he's old, so you don't buy it. But he always got some weed. Like he's mad about a V a, a VCR in 2009 like it's a familiar you know, violence it's a very it it's, it's a very it's old black it, yeah it's, it's a very black. familiar violence and you know that's a good point that you made uh Medea and joe being a highlight of the movie because i when i started watching the movie i honestly forgot that that was tyler perry as well so i didn't even think in my head about the logistics of him playing two people in the same scene having dialogue with each other i i honestly thought that was another character made up until i look out until i went back and look and read about it it's like oh yeah that's that's tyler perry too which give me a better appreciation for that 
I think what's interesting is the things that were in the film that would not be able to, you know, you would not be able to get away with today. Like, and that's kind of just an interesting thing to not necessarily about the movie, but just about the times have changed. Like when they were, cause I don't know if it was in the, the credits, like the blooper reel, but they were, you know, like, are you slow or something? And I don't know if they dropped the R word or not, but I know there was a reference to him, you know, having this mental. Uh, yeah, they didn't say the R word. And I, I don't. I, I, that that would have stood out to me. They did say it. They did say it. They did not. Okay, and then, but you remember the scene, like you remember them, like yeah, yeah. With them about in the beginning. And yeah, absolutely, they, absolutely. Yeah, they. Yeah, so it was just interesting. Some of the things, like even you know, beating the children, like that wouldn't be something that you know people would be in a Twitter frenzy about. Um, and I think, I think, I, I don't know. In these kind of movies, I think it's fine. Like, and not, and that's not my personal opinion. I'm just saying, like, because these are the like conservative Christians type movies. It's still a lot, a whole lot of beating going on. We're very sympathetic to beatings mm-hmm. in the black yeah, community. I see where you're saying. And, and, then, and I think I don't think that, I don't I don't think. And the, the people that will be up in arms about this on Twitter aren't watching those movies anyway. Like that's yeah, that's very true. Yeah. The market yeah. is not the same. Now, that may change if Tyler Perry starts putting all his movies on Netflix. Yeah. And people start watching these movies as a gag. And then they start going ham on the things that are in the movies now. Especially during because, quarantine? Oh, my God. So Right. So, like, yeah. I... Like if they were like a fall from grace, the, like the only reason so many people watched the fall from grace is because we were all on social media talking about how bad it was. Yeah. Right. And if, if a, a moment, it's kind of like with bird box, right? Like in no other universe am I watching bird box, I still but haven't seen it. Yes. Yeah, so, so, but if social media creates a moment, everybody watches something, mm-hmm. you would start getting conversations about, wow. Like you would finally get people watching these movies. Like, wow, if this is what's happening in Tyler Perry movies, you know, some of the people who like ardently don't watch these things on purpose mm-hmm. because of the messaging or because they've been told the movies are so terrible or if they just, you know, cause if we're being real, like it's hard not to like Tyler Perry, the human, he does a lot of good. You know what I mean? Like and you can question his ethics and his tactics and stuff like that about, about the way he's like the way he's treating writers, but what he is doing is creating opportunities for people that would not otherwise have them. Right. Like there are people in his movies who ain't never going to get a job nowhere else. I have always you know respected what I'm saying? him for that. Right. So it's like, it's, it's the dichotomy of Tyler Perry, like the black excellence of the man versus the art he creates. So, mm-hmm. you know, that tension is always going to exist because, you know, like, again, you, that story just comes out yesterday. He goes to Houston's and gives every server 500 bucks, you know what I mean? Which it goes a long way. You know, if you need money, like you're still working right now, you need money. That's cool to do stuff like that. It's cool that he gives money. He does things, you know what I mean? Like as a really as right. a human, it's just the art is the struggle because the art struggles. I would say, didn't we get like. We got somebody's that was like four hundred thousand dollars at a layaway or something like that for people. Some yeah, Christmas. I think it was Christmas yeah. last year, maybe two years ago or something wow. like that. And the thing is, that was the time they told he yes, might do that every yeah. year. We wouldn't even know it. You know what I mean? Like he's got enough money to do that. He probably does that kind of stuff all the time. It's just you know when stuff hits the newspaper, you know we get praised for. It. But a lot of these folks, you know, people come down on entertainers and athletes and these folks with a lot of money all the yeah, time. Like people. oh y'all could be doing more. But we don't know what they're doing. You know what I mean? Like we hear about that one thing they're doing. We're like, oh, you could be doing more. But we have no idea how much these people are doing. But, you know, that's a whole different combo. All right. We talked about the MVP of this movie and what would be like the good thing. What's the least valuable player, so to speak, for this for you in this movie? I Let me give you mine real quick because I just I got to get this off my heart. All right. There's a scene 
in the early scene when when the kids come to the house for the first time and Brian White comes in, his character comes in, and he says something to the effect of like her name the uh, the young girl says my name is Jennifer. He's like I'm gonna call you Jenny. Or something like that. He's like, I got something for little girls who got attitudes or whatever. And then he pulls out a chocolate bar. I was like, what is happening? <laughs> like, he's like, you want this? You want this chocolate bar? I was like, what is happening right now? Who signed off it's on like, this? Why? Why did? Why did anybody think this was a? This is a scene you absolutely could cut. That I made no sense my whatsoever. When I saw that. Just, like my yeah, man literally is like he pulled a chocolate bar out of his shirt pocket. And like it was just like so I couldn't tell if the point of that was to make you think he was a, he was like a villain and then it's like oh he's joking he really just has something for for girls with attitudes it's chocolate. But like what's what is yeah, that that's it for me. That's, that's my least valuable play. That scene was terrible. What y'all got? I'm going to say Mary J Blige. I don't one also, you know, for, for for them to be such heavy hitters uh, musically in the movie, the music in the movie was not astounding. It was very like, did I miss something? Am I supposed to be? Am I supposed to be clapping for this? But uh, Mary J. Blige's acting was was not good at all in the movie, and I just felt like her character was there because she was Mary J. Blige, not really adding any value. The advice she gave her. Anybody could have told her that, you know, Sandino could have told her that the the bartender could have told her that. I didn't, you know, I mean, but seriously, like, you know, you're a mess, you're a drunk. Okay, well, pour me another. Um, so I don't think that it, her character for me just seemed very much like, here, let's insert fa- famous person for credit reel. That's probably how that happened. Exactly. Actually. Me. Yeah, that sounds about accurate. That's literally what I what I assume happened for the purposes of the role that she played because you need somebody who can sing a song. Yeah, I mean, but that's how anybody famous gets in a black movie. They they're famous. I mean, hell, it's possible she wasn't even going to have a speaking role, but she asked for one <laughs> because she was just going to be singing the song. She was going to be the guest vocalist, and she was like, "You you think I could be like a bartender or something?" He was like, "Man, sure, go ahead." I mean, I the the lady was nominated for an Oscar. I don't when Mudbound. Oh, I, I actually like Mudbound though. I couldn't even get through that movie. I definitely <laughs> couldn't watch it. I could definitely. Get, I could get through it a few times on that film. I, I haven't made it past like 30, 45 minutes of that movie. Oh, no. Man. I and I'll say this. Um, I'm I'm not gonna take away from who she is as a person, but I will say if her acting was anything, you know, that was a ten year difference, you know, between movies or seven, eight year difference. But if that was the basis, I will say and then she became an Oscar nominated actress, that was a hell of a curve. That was a hell of a curve. Because wow. The acting in that that movie and this movie was terrible, terrible. Yeah, nothing in my heart says Mary J. Blige is like. If she was a better actress, would have changed the movie. So mm-hmm. she okay. was just there to sing okay. a song mm-hmm. as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. Fair. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm I'm with you there, Dara. What you got for the LVP? Uh, the LVP for me is a, a tie between character development and dialogue. Like the two dimensional characters were awful, and the "Ooh, girl, you got so much attitude, I'ma slap the taste out of your mouth." Like 
That was the entire movie. So yeah, I I, I couldn't I couldn't do much with that. And don't forget okay. mouthing off to your landlord. Oh my gosh. And that was the worst. No one does that in real life. You know, walking That's in true. But I think so is that is that part of the charm of Sandino taming her? Is that part of it like the fact that she has this I can, you know, say whatever I want and do whatever I want to whomever I want. I mean, and Sandino it, comes and, you know, knocks her across the neck. It contributes to him being cast as Latino Jesus. Like, only Jesus can talk to you like that in your own house when, when he's paying you rent. And you know, speaking of the character development, I, I guess I got to add I gotta add that other scene when he goes to the... So, after she almost electrocutes Brian White, she goes to the bar to drink. He comes over to the bar to meet her. And she's like, where are the kids? They're at home sleeping, I guess, or something, or whatever they're doing. And then she goes in on him, starts questioning him about being a child molester. I mean, that now I will say this. That scene was like, oh, like she done yelled at, are you a child molester out loud to this man? Like in the, like, ain't no coming back from that. Like after that point, everybody's going to be like, oh, that's the dude they, she thought was a child molester. So that, that was, that was cringeworthy in a way that was effective. They didn't, they ended up getting married. <laughs> they, yeah. He's the, but you know what? Jesus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Everybody didn't believe in Jesus. Everybody <laughs> didn't believe in Jesus, and Jesus came through in the end. Listen, as always. Okay, so would you all make any changes? Like, if as put on your put on putting on your writer hats, an hour and some change Ooh. into this. Put on your writer hats. Mm. Would Ooh. you make any changes? Like, give me give me some changes that you would make if you could. If you if you have one or two changes that you would make. Give me changes that you would make that you think would improve. The, if you think the movie can be improved, that you would improve the movie. I would. I would change the the script from being on the table to being in the trash can. That's what I think. Okay. Fair. So you don't you don't think the movie should be made at all? I don't. I don't know if it's salvageable. I don't because there's so many inconsistencies and things that aren't linear and logical in the film that I don't know if you could make it sensical. I mean, you know, from how did, you know, discovering the fact that the mother rode around for seven years and nobody knew she was dead, you know, very weekend and Bernie's. Um, no, she didn't smell or anything. She just rode the bus. Uh, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know if it's salvageable. I don't know if, you know, like him just randomly showing up at her house, you know, even though the church directed him there, but, why would the church have a single woman living with a single man unmarried? You know, these are, these are, there's so many things that I don't know if he could have gotten there, you know, with this script, with the skeleton of the script. I don't know if he could have made it where he was trying to go. So throw it Fair. in basura. Okay. <laughs> so there's no, there's, you, you don't think this, you don't think this is salvageable. There's nothing you would have to do too much in order to change it. I can do bad all by myself is aptly titled because it is bad. It is bad, <laughs> and it should be by itself in the trash. All right, Dar. What about you? You know, I'm going to give Tyler Perry the same latitude to write a mediocre movie as all of the other white mediocre movies have, which means, uh. This premise is is not 
it's not new by any stretch. Like there was a movie right. with um, Hayden Panettiere in it that came out in 2004. It was the same premise. Self, self-absorbed self aunt has to adopt three kids because sister and husband die in a crash or whatever. Like this, this movie has been done over and over again. So the only, the only thing that makes this one spectacularly bad for me is the fact that there are so there's there's so much messaging in it. Um, so I think in order to make it less bad, more mediocreish, I would probably take about half of uh, April's flaws away. Like okay, maybe she doesn't have to sing in a nightclub, or maybe she sings in a nightclub but she's not demonized for it, or maybe she doesn't have a uh, a boyfriend who has five children and is married. Or maybe Latino Jesus doesn't have to move in with her to to help her see the light. Or maybe she doesn't have to get preached at via song. Like something can go. Like you can make an enjoyable, mediocre movie without the super heavy messaging in it or without even piling all of the bad traits you can think of into one character. Like spread those bad traits out. Like maybe Grandma Rose was the alcoholic. Who cares? Like maybe, maybe. Right. Like, Maybe the sister didn't have to, oh my gosh, I wrote it down. But the sister, they made, part of the things that he did to differentiate the play from the movie was make the sister's characteristics worse. So in the movie, uh, the sister tricked Jennifer for drugs, put Byron in the oven, burned Manny with a crack pipe, and managed to die. Like, pick a struggle. Maybe she just tricked Jennifer for drugs, and Byron Mm -hmm. doesn't have to go in the oven. Like maybe the maybe the grandma just had a brain aneurysm and got like a whole funeral. Like why does she have to die alone and be found at a morgue? Like everything doesn't have to go in there. Like some things can go in the cutting floor, but I don't think he has a cutting floor. And that's what makes it so bad. So like cut some things out and maybe it'll be more mediocre and less like terrible. And, and to Dara's point, though, that makes me wonder two things. It makes me wonder about the, like, the transitions of how did Sandino even find anything redeemable about Taraji's character, about April. They didn't even like each other. Right. To, like, what, where was that, like, okay, I'm going to give this person some leeway to be nice to me so that we can eventually fall in love. Like, there was no... There was there was no lead up to that. Like there was nothing. Right. Why did he take her paddle boating? Right. Exactly. There there was they didn't get along. So what was so appealing about that attraction or so necessary about that attraction? But Kyla, Jesus loves you no matter how much you drink. That's this this I know. This I know. <laughs> For the Bible tells me so. This is true. <laughs> That's the point. Jesus so, loves you despite all that. Mm-hmm. Some of the things that you said there are, are things that I would probably like. For instance, I would cut the I would cut Brian White's character entirely out of the movie. He didn't need to be in it. It's unnecessary. You don't need him to. She's a bad person without him. Uh-huh. You don't need. <laughs> she can do better by herself. Yeah. Yeah, like you don't need you don't need the excess bad. Like you don't have to almost try to get a little girl raped in order to kind of show how bad the situation is. Mm-hmm. She's pretty bad all by herself. She has anger. She has hatred. She has all those things in her heart that can manifest themselves just by virtue of those kids being there, right? Like she did all those stuff. She did all those things. You know what I mean? So I also would probably, so I'd get rid of his character altogether. Cause it was just too much. It was, it was too, cr- and then again, again, the chocolate out of the pocket. I mean, 
we just didn't know what to do with this man. So <laughs> he's pulling. Way. It just it was it was ridiculous. I also probably would have got rid of the two little kids, the two little boys. I don't think they added anything to. It was just it was just more kids for her to, to, take, to take care of. Yeah, it was it was more kids to make her 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 redemption her change more drastic. But also Jennifer right? Jennifer needed a motivation to mm-hmm. uh, I don't know do something besides gripe. It, well, we needed to know that Jennifer was was a mother figure for these yeah, kids, right? That, and she that. is she she's a, she's a she's a redeemable character because she's going through something like she's she's sixteen living the life of a 40 year old and that's unfair like we needed to see that so i feel like we could they, that could have been written differently like i feel like you can do that without having a boy that don't speak except to save my bed and an insulin like it, it doesn't have to be so it doesn't have to like she's she the fact that this child made it to 16 is a miracle in and of, its, of itself mm-hmm. right like it's just it's amazing and i want to I, it just seems like it's too drastic. care about people like you what yeah, like it's just too drastic. And I also would like a lot of the so obviously the dialogue I think is a struggle. But almost all that dialogue to me could probably be saved with like one more sentence. Mm-hmm. One more mm-hmm. transition sentence that would just make it make sense. Mm-hmm. So I would I would hand the script off to somebody and say, "Hey, read this. I want I want one to two new sentences per page that transitions everything." And then- somebody else got to come in there and just 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 punch it up a little bit. And then the fact that she had such this visceral reaction to her mother passing away, but she had no interaction with her mother. I mean, and I always say that I only say that. Well, her mother, her mother let her get raped, though. Remember that was it. So okay. she hates her mother. I get that. Okay. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. Okay. Her mother, but she nope. ain't got a good relationship with her mama. Okay. Her, her, okay. They okay. bad family. <laughs> I forgot about that. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, like I. What I would also probably do is get, let her her mama go. Don't have to die the way she died. No, we can we can tamp that down a little bit. You know, we can. It don't have to be. It, it doesn't have to be the pylon effect because again, the pylon effect is useless because it doesn't draw any emotions out of anybody. Mm-hmm. She don't really care. Us in the audience aren't. We're not sad. We're not crying at this point we about this. Care. It's just like, damn. Relationship with her. Right. It's like damn. How bad was it? Like man, dude, what else could have happened? Did she get run over too? Like. Did the police get her too? Like, what happened? You know, so it was just, it didn't. And how high when the dude dies and he gets hit by, like, he catches on fire, then gets hit by the bus? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I. I, Yeah, like, it just, it it, it served no purpose. But I really, I I do think it could have been saved a little bit. Like, I think it could be, oh, oh, oh. And I would change the end where she is just so incapable of love that she just had, I I hated that. Like, I genuinely hated how, like, unhealthy as a human being she was i genuinely hated how limp it made her i hated that but that's that's such an ever consistent theme in tyler perry movies that black women aren't able to self-heal and they need they have this this need for another for a black man to save them and in some capacity or a man to save them like there is never this wholeness of any black woman characters that are in Tyler Perry movies, except for Medea. True, and I would change all the movies. They all got, they all got to change because I hate that. I hate that stuff. 
It kills me. Like, I hate that part. There was one point in the bar, I think, where April was talking to uh, Mary J. Blige's character. And she says, so I'm just a bad person, huh? I'm like, come on. Like, as if the messaging wasn't crystal clear, you're going to have her say it? Like, it was an absolute waste of space. <laughs> and, and like you said, more piling on. Like, okay, we get the point. Like, you literally don't have to have her spell it out. Yeah. Right before, right. right before Mary J. Blige sings, I can do bad all by myself. Like that was the I can do bad part. Right. So, so you, so Carla, you wanted to, you don't think it's salvageable. I think. I, I don't, I, and, and, I think it, it's some of the, if it were me writing anything like this, this would, this is one of those poems that if this were a poem of mine, it would be one of those that. Mm, wow, what was I on that day? Like, oof, I don't even want to read that in my phone. I just think there are so many things that need to be redone that he would have an easier time just starting from scratch and and using the theme maybe of, of a woman wanting to be redeemed. But I think other than that, there's so many things that could be cut out that need to make sense, need to happen for it to make sense, that it would just, it would be a waste of time. I, I don't disagree with you because, I mean, I said the same thing about A Fall From Grace. Like, in that conversation, I was like, you can't fix this movie. Mm-hmm. In fact, the only thing you can do with this movie is make it more ridiculous. Like, if you're just, it, <laughs> you, you can't, you, it, can't go, it can't go that direction. It can only get worse. So you might as well go as bad with it as you can. Like, make it as ridiculous as possible so at least nobody's taking it serious. And in this movie, I do think, I, mean, I do think it could get to mediocre black just regular you know regular run-of-the-mill black movie that people watch on occasion you know what i mean like mm-hmm. i don't think this has a ton of re rewatchability replay value um as it is right now like i would if it's on tv i'm not just gonna watch this this ain't one of the, this ain't one of the tyler perry movies i'm just gonna watch over and over again there are some that i would watch every time they come on this ain't one of them yeah i think it has the potential to be heartwarming because of the i have to adopt my nieces and nephews trope like I think yeah, you can people, do something with I think that. That's right? what people gravitated to in this movie. All of the what eighty something percent of Rotten Tomatoes folks. Like I think they gravitated to the trope because it's familiar and they mm-hmm. knew how to feel going into it. Once you figure out what the premise is. Right. All right. So I, I'm. I think if you fix this movie, the best it's going to get to is like, you know, like a B level film that. You know, something that runs on TNT on occasion and, you know, it just it, it exists in syndication and runs like this. Ain't, it, it, I don't think it could get to the point of one of those black classic movies that we would talk about. Like, it's not it's never going to hit the love and basketball love Jones. Now, some of that is because of when it was made. Like if this movie is made in the 90s, I think we have a different reverence for it. Mm. But because everything made after like 2000 or maybe like 2005 doesn't get the same love as the older movies do. Mm hmm. But there, there were also better movies. Is it a quality you know I mean? issue, or is it just a, a a social issue? Well, I think. I mean, for me, I think it's, I think it's a quality thing. Like, like I, so I love like all those '90s movies, right? Like you, you, I love Jason's lyric. I love Jason's Thin Line with Love and Hate. Like I love those me movies, too. but you, you can, you can make an argument that they're not great movies. No, they're not. They're just. You know what Jason's I mean? Lyrics. They're just, they just feel, you know, or, you know, they just stay or poetic justice. Like you can argue that it's not a great movie, oh, you know man. what I mean? But it's definitely it, it also it it hit the right notes in order to be uh, okay. in order to to still persist as a as a topic of conversation when we talk black movies, right? Like Boys in the Hood was an actual good movie, you know what I mean? Like that joint was legitimately a good movie. 
They're like Keith. Menace Society, I love, but I look at Menace Society like it was just so extreme. Like there's just it. That movie never gets better. It's 100% downhill. You know what I mean? And it's it's like a nihilistic movie that's just pure pain. So yeah, Dar. So what do you think the ceiling is for for this Dar? You think it can get to where? What's the best this movie could do? I think it can get to solid mediocre movie status. Like I I, I honestly see potential for mediocrity in this movie, and and it, it's. It's hopeful wow. for me. <laughs> it's hopeful for me. I, I am a strong believer in black mediocrity. I'll be the first person to say that. Me too. Fuck that I'm, I'm perfectly fine with it. I, I watch a lot of black mediocre movies, and they they bring me the same level of joy every time. Let's do the celeb report card right quick. Okay. So the celebrities in this movie, Taraji. What do you give Taraji on A, B, C, D, or F? Hmm. I give her a B plus, A minus. Yeah. I mean, I'm gonna give her. I'm gonna give her a solid B. I don't think the script was good enough for her to get an A. Even when she tried, she was like, there are some parts where it was just like, wow, this is well, painful. I'm I'm giving her that grade based on the script. You know, I'm yeah. You know, based on what she had to work with, that is my assessment. You know, uh, I, I'll give her a B, but y'all gonna be surprised at who I give an A. So go ahead. All right. So Mary J. Blige. Ryan. Oh, she's getting, um, she's, no, she's getting a D. She's going down. She is getting a D. <laughs> so I, I'm going to give Mary J. Blige a C. I'm going to tell you why. Mary J. Blige is, she didn't do no homework. <laughs> but she yeah. aced the final exam when yeah. she sang the song. Okay. So hey. okay. She, she got a C. Like she, she didn't, she didn't do none. Of, she, she did exact. She did what she needed to do to pass the class. Okay. okay. And okay. she, she aced the final exam when she sang that song with the knee because it's the title track. Yeah. And it's the title track. So I'm gonna give her a C. I, I give Mary, I give Mary a B. I, I give her a B. She, she worked with what she had. I was disappointed that the title track did not come harder. Not that she didn't sing hard enough. If I recall correctly, I think either Sean Garrett or Neo was behind that song. But I, Atlanta, all Atlanta. But I, I, it it just didn't go hard enough. And and, neither did Gladys' song to me. None none of the the songs songs did. None of the songs. I don't remember a single one. Mm -mm. I also read that he wasn't able to produce a soundtrack for the movie either. And I wonder if that had something to do with it. Because he couldn't get clearance from uh, record labels to have people on a a soundtrack. That's interesting. What about Adam Rodriguez, Sandino? A! (laughs) Honestly, he's going to get some A because I would like to have a lot of sex with him. So... A! (laughs) It's going to matter. You know, I... I wasn't going to give him an A. I'll probably give him a solid B plus, but <laughs> some of that is just because it's a black movie. He can't be, he, he can't inadvertently be the best rated movie, best person in there. That's, but he also, he had the, I mean, he, he did a, he did a, he did a good job considering that I have no idea how he ended up in this movie. So, okay. okay. I mean, my man be on, can I, my man be on SVU and Law and Order, like, how in the hell did he end up in this movie? Can I on make my case for giving him an A? Can you what? Can I make my case for giving him an A? Yeah, he, he deserves an A. I was joking about that. Right. He deserves First an A. First of all, What's he, your case? Adam, A for Adam. A is fine. He's fine as hell. Uh, okay. Second, 
this man was born in California. So for him to affect a heavy Latino accent for the entire movie when he speaks regular English, like unaccented <laughs> English, I, I I was like, you know what? I'm I'm sorry you had to do that. You deserve an A for that crap. They did not need to, <laughs> they didn't need to do that to that man. He had to be from Colombia. Yeah, and you know what? He you know what he also gets credit for? Treating this movie like he believed it. Because he really he really he acted he acted those scenes like he meant it. Like I feel like Taraji knew this movie was ridiculous while she's acting, so she's just being overly Taraji, right? Like she's just yelling loud and all that. Like she ain't acting. No. She being Taraji. She being Taraji with somewhat of a script. Like she she this she could easily be the same Taraji from Baby Boy. You know what I'm saying? Like the same character. Yeah. Yeah. Just the just one's in Atlanta, the other one's in LA, right? So he he treated this like this movie mattered to him. So, yeah. so I'm gonna give so you're right, he deserves an A for that. All right, uh Gladys Knight. I'll pass. Mm. My phone breaking up. I mean, I'm not gonna say nothing bad about Gladys either. I mean, she listen, d- d- odd odd character. She's singing in nightclubs to try to save the people. She's you know, she she's in the movie. Okay. We'll get we'll give her we'll give her a pass fail pass. All right. Um, <laughs> she passed. She passed. She passed. Um, Marvin Winans gets an A for me for sweating out every perm, like I said. Pass. In that scene where he's singing. Nah, man. My man gets that. Nah. He gets an A for me. I, I I'm gonna give yeah. I'm gonna give him a solid C because I needed him as a member of the clergy to uh say something about sending Jesus to live in the basement. Like, I'm still bothered by that. Fair enough. My man was not practicing what he preaches. I feel like this is the argument you're making. Yes. <laughs> why? Yeah. Why couldn't um, he live with him? Well, he ain't, uh, why couldn't he just live in the bottom of the church? I don't know. Mm-hmm. So, in in this universe, the bottom of the church is a very apt place to live. But the story doesn't happen if he doesn't if he doesn't go stay in her house. And, and keep in mind, this is a quick caveat. The pastor said, "Hey, you fix some things around here." We'll see how you do, and we'll see if we can find you a place to live. Ten minutes later, they're at her door like, hey, can you stay here? And he says, yo, I fixed some things around the church. What you fix around the church, bro? It literally has been no time. Anyway, that's just me, but it's the Tyler Perry Cinematic Universe. Um, I think though, Brian White, we're, go, we're going we're gonna to put him in a select. Mm. Brian White, what do we get Brian F, White? F, 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 bro, F, F. Mm. Mm. Him, F. him, and, him, and, get an F. him, him, he did what he was supposed to do, which meant that I dislike him in real life. So, yeah. I guess F. <laughs> I'm going to give him a B plus for, one, rocking that terrible fake tattoo that said Atlanta PD on it. For, for, a, for, a tat? for playing a part. Yeah, he had a tat on his chest. For playing the part where he actually pulls some chocolate out to give to a little girl that he calls Jennifer. Like... How, his dedication and commitment to being a part of this these this this movie movement. I mean, my man shows up in ridiculous fashion every time and keeps a glowering, staunch face, so that he can get across the 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 the, the way that we the way that we're supposed to to feel about him. He brings that across every time. I'm a, I'm gonna give him a solid B for that. I think I said B plus. I'm gonna give him a B. Who um. I haven't decided why I don't like seeing Brian White in I films. Um, I think 
I he made some he made some comments about black women, and yet he is still in black did he? films. Yeah. What did he say? I don't I don't remember that. What did he say? Um, what he got? I'm actually looking at it right now. It was an Essence article that I'm like reading, but he had said some negative things that he said were misconstrued. I kind of like heard about it previously, but it was something that I don't know. It just irked me previously. Uh, I don't know. I'm just going to, I'm going to have to fail just because. Yeah. I think, I think I might also be a little bit influenced by the fact that he mentioned something about an alkaline diet in response to uh, COVID-19 a couple of days ago. And I think that was around the time that I watched the movie and I was just glowering back at him for the hell of it because I was just a little irritated. All right. What's the this is the last thing wig report? Wait, can I can I give you can you can I give you one more honorary A? Oh, go ahead. The uh the little girl who played Jennifer Hope Alaide Wilson, she's actually British. Okay. I ain't know that until I looked it up. So kudos well, to her for either. that. She put in probably the most work uh, of anybody else on that set uh, by not sounding like a Brit. So yeah, I'm um she did some actual acting. All right. So then, wig, wig report. I don't remember anybody with a wig on in this movie. Yeah, Maybe had on wigs. Everybody had on a wig. Well, I mean, oh, well, okay, oh, well, okay, right. Except for the men. So it was it was largely Gladys. Did Mary have on a wig? Yes, yeah, she did. She had on several different wigs. Oh. Had on a wig. Oh, okay. I didn't even notice yeah, that. Yeah, but that's that. That meant they were good. That you didn't notice them. They they got money outside of acting, so they paid for them themselves. There you go. I was say I don't. I think. You have to understand too, like a lot of the times these main characters who are people who aren't big names outside of Tyler Perry films and Taraji and Mary J. Blige are and Gladys Knight are. Right. So they have so they not they're not gonna be looking yeah, crazy. Yeah, they have their own right people and that's in a contract. We get to bring our own hair and makeup people to come in. Yeah, that's yeah. Yeah, so that's that makes sense. And if because what so it, yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say if I'm not mistaken, Jennifer was wearing her real real hair. So yeah, I, nobody nobody had wigs that twerked in your face off screen. Okay, well that's I mean that's a plus. That is that's a plus. Okay. That's a plus. All right. Well, is there anything else that we need to anything else before we let before I let you all plug what you're doing um, as we end this podcast? Any other last last things you want to say about the film? Um, I, you know what? At the end of the day, as as a black writer and as a black actor, it's it's a bit conflicting because I appreciate Tyler Perry telling what he thinks are black stories, and I appreciate the fact that living in a city where you know he's so important to so many things. I appreciate at the very least that there are opportunities for black actors to make money and be seen and black places are patronized in his movies in real life. Like, you know, there are businesses that are, are in his movies that are businesses that I've actually been to. So I appreciate that. I do think also it's, it's a bit of a conundrum as a black writer, as somebody who knows there's so many better ways that you could do this and watching those things play out as as our standard and knowing too that being a black actor like yay you know I'm, i get to work but is this something that's going to be made fun of later on and and just watching the fact that there are so many black actors i mean writers that could really really help and really really right. elevate the brand 
and that's not something that he's interested in. So it's, hmm, that's how I feel. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think my my last parting shots um, are actually about something that there's a recurrent theme when people critique Tyler Perry's films. Um, it's the idea that there's a class of people who do so, bougie black, talented 10, et cetera, et cetera. I, I tend to think that that's almost saying that people who are not in certain educational spheres cannot make what's considered highbrow art. And I think that's a really problematic thing to insinuate that, oh, we're only, we're only critiquing it because we have degrees or because, you know, we think we're better or because we're middle class or, I mean, barring all of that, because all of those are assumptions. I think that the ability to think through your art is not limited to a class perspective. I think that the people who enjoy Tyler Perry's movies aren't wrong for doing so. But I don't also think that I am wrong for looking at it with a different lens and feeling that they don't speak to me. It's okay that they don't speak to me, but I don't have to pretend that I don't see cracks in it. Right. There's also the there's also the other assumption that if you can't if you don't enjoy the movies because yeah, you're somebody who is in you know because you're quote unquote talented whatever is that you just don't have a uh, an everyman perspective or the inability to to genuinely see what it's like for everybody else. And I'm like sometimes the movie just ain't good. That's okay no, too. Like it just yeah you know sometimes sometimes things just aren't good. Like I find it hard to believe that just because. I don't like a certain Tyler Perry movie. It's because I don't have that perspective. Like I don't, I'm, I'm too far removed from the people that can enjoy it. That I, that I'm unable to understand what makes it good. Like sometimes I'll have people who like Tyler Perry movies in our family. Right. And I, and I watch them, you know what I mean? And look, I mean, if we're being real, like a fall from grace, all the main characters are college educated with law degrees. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, it's, you know, like there's, you know, there's a bunch of that in the movie, you know, just, so, you know, there's a, I, I do think it's an interesting discussion to have about what it is that irks people about Tyler Perry films, because some people genuinely have a vitriolic response to his films. Mm-hmm. Right. And I don't know. I don't I don't get that part of it because, That's a lot you know, I just like black. I just like black movies. You know what I'm saying? Like I watch black stuff. I love black movies. I'm going to watch them. I watch good ones. I watch bad ones. I just watch them because there's black people in it. Like I genuinely enjoy watching our stories. And that means I've watched a lot of stuff that probably shouldn't be made or I'm surprised it got made. You know what I mean? But I don't think it says anything about me if I'm like that, that movie's just bad that I can't, I'm too far removed. You know what I mean? Like it just, I don't see, I don't see that, that connection. For my part, I come from a super conservative churchy background. I'm not anymore, but coming from that background and having seen so very many Christian movies that track exactly the way Tyler Perry's, that's probably my chief reason for not being able to watch his movies because I can't stand that genre anymore, like period. Like I I have a visceral reaction to it. So I can't watch most Christian movies in general, white or black are just bad, period, because they don't care. And and that's the predominant reason why I can't watch them. So where can we find you all's work? Like where can we find you online to engage with the the highlight reel and the shenanigans? 
You can find my work online at www.trulytafakari.com. That's T-A-F-A-K-A-R-I. But you can mostly find me on Twitter because that's where I am far too often. And that's, What's your Twitter handle? My Twitter handle is at Truly Tafakari. And you're sure changing yourself, by the way, because you got writer clips all over the place. I mean, you just like, oh, yeah, check me out on my website and Twitter. Like, you'd be writing that, places. But that, that's the problem with me writing everywhere because I write for so many different outlets. It's easier right. to find you at Twitter it's, just, it's just to go there and find out where you do. If you, if you find me on Twitter, likely I will be telling you what I just wrote and where to find it. Like, so, yeah, hit me up on Twitter. Got you. She's so, she's so simplistic. She's so sleek. I need a, <laughs> I need a new website, <laughs> to be honest. All right. What about you, Kyla? My website is that's right, Kyla W R I I T E W R I T E Kyla K Y L A. Uh, my Twitter is Kyla K Y L A underscore Lacey. Uh, this is my third Twitter. Uh, my Instagram <laughs> is Kyla J Lacey L A C E Y. Um, and then my Facebook is usually the the more interesting uh, one is Kyla Janae, like Renee with the J J E N E E. Lacey. I am currently working on a book of poetry, but I have one out called Hickory Dickory Dock. I do not want your cock. It's a poem, poetry for man children about patriarchy. And um, I'm the person who did the white privilege video uh, poem, if anybody's seen that. And some of my other stuff is, is floating on YouTube and the internet right about now. And I write with my writing partner on big black commentary. At WordPress. Okay. All right. That was a lot. And well, I do college shows. Hey. So bring me to your school. Okay. That's enough. There you go. Well, I look, I appreciate you all, your commentary. Thank uh, you for having your me. Insight. This is dope. This, this is, is fun. Yeah, out here talking, doing the Lord's work, discussing Tyler Perry films. And 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 because, you know, I bet both of you thought this was going to be more of a roast than it ended up being. Right? Um, like, it feels like, it feels like it's going to end up being a roast session. But... Everything. I got some good things. To be honest, I to be honest, I'm actually terrible at roasting. I think I, I think <laughs> I think I'm too deadpan to roast people because I'm not actually joking. So yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, uh, this has been the I Can Do Battle by Myself episode of What If Tyler Perry Had a Writer's Room, featuring Dara Mathis and Kyla Janae Lacey. Thank you all for tuning in and listening. Make sure you check out all the episodes of this podcast available anywhere you get podcasts, Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google. Um, thanks for listening. Thank you. Have a black one. This podcast. Soak it in. I'm familiar feeling you ain't used to this. Had to get a little closer where you moving it. They say you lies, but you see right through the foolishness and you just do the when we link up, that's what brightens up my day. Having you here is something I can never betray. Let's get the action, make it happen here today. No delays, I can't let you leave. Yeah. I'm at peace when you lay next to me. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I can't ask for nothing extra. This ain't no one better. This connection happened naturally. Baby, I see you trying to make moves. You feel like you can't love nobody right now. But baby, I can never you really know doubt and I said baby you ain't used to this I know
put these two things I know. 